had a breakthrough this past week uh, with the city of Ferrysburg. They were asking us uh, to uh, extend a water line from a fire hydrant that ended in our, our property uh, all the way up to Ridge. And if you're familiar with our property and how that lays out, I don't know if that's on those uh, sheets back in the back on the boards, but um, it was proposed about a $100,000 project to do it. And uh, we're thinking, man, this, that's, that's a, you know, 10% of our, of our whole budget. And, and so we had a meeting, and it was favorable, and it looks like uh, we're believing it's not set in stone, but that we will be uh, having just a portion of that. And so we got to figure that out still, but be praying. When you think about our future, pray for God's favor. And we'll give a report next week on that, uh, and that we'll be excited to do that, get a full report. But uh, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. And uh, this morning, we are in uh, for a treat. We are going to continue a series that I started last week. Um, the series is called Lessons from an Iron Man. And uh, the idea is to use an Iron Man that I participated in kind of as a catalyst or an illustration uh, for our lives. Like there was some learning there that, that was very significant. And so it's kind of like an Iron Man with a message. And uh, if you weren't here last week, we described an Iron Man has three parts as a swim, and then a bike, and then a run. And it's a long race. I mean, it's hours and hours. Even the elite um, people that are world class, it takes hours and hours to do. And it's not an easy task to finish an Iron Man. Uh, that is for sure. And truthfully, we talked about and kind of acknowledged last week that if you're interested in doing an Ironman, it can be intimidating. There can be some fear around that. It's no small feat. There's wear and tear on your body, on your stuff, on your mind. And last week, we kind of focused in on that idea that, that fear in our lives, certainly in an Ironman, but even in our lives, it can hold us back from everything that God wants for us. Fear, it, it can grip us and it can stall our progress. It can uh, kill momentum. It just, it can uh, put, bring us to the point where we're stuck and we need to start again. There's some of us and others of us need to just continue to, to plug on and, and face our fears. We talked about how fear can hold us back from, from God's best, that it can dominate our thoughts and it can affect our sleep and cause anxiety and can paralyze us. It can ruin your self-confidence and destroy relationships affect our health and fear ultimately will steal your joy it'll steal your peace and can ultimately again it can halt your spiritual growth and that's where the danger is for our for us in our lives that we would get stalled and we are not growing at that point we put up a, a definition of fear that says this that fear is a strong unpleasant emotion caused by actual or perceived danger. And we kind of unpacked that last week, and we realized that fear is not of God. Everyone say that with me. Fear is not of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, or you can translate that word into fear, but instead a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. It's not from God. Fear is from the enemy. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says there is no fear in love. And who's perfect love? Jesus, right? 
God, right? So and it says, but perfect love drives out fear. We talked about the idea that last week that we can incorporate, we can ask the Lord to come into our lives and help us to face our fears. And when we do that, we don't have to run anymore. Instead, we can face our fears. We said that fear will either overtake your faith or your faith will overtake your fear. And so we decided last week as, uh, as a group, if you're here, to overtake our fear with faith. We're going to bring faith to the table, our trust in God. We are not going to run from our fears. Instead, we're going to face them with God's help. Amen? And if you uh, weren't here, I encourage you to get online and listen to the full message. But today we're going to take another step. Yeah, we need to stand firm in faith. And that's a huge p- uh, part of overcoming fear But there's another part of fear uh, that is interesting that will keep us from God's plan. And when we talk about God's perfect will, we need to create a plan, an action plan, a blueprint, a guide to follow. Now, with an Iron Man, you better have a plan. That's the truth. Before you got the training, all your nutrition leading up to race day, During the event, your pace and your technique and transition, there's a lot to think through. You need to have a plan. And afterwards, the recovery, you better have a plan on an Ironman-type race. And to explain a little of the journey of what an Ironman takes uh, and even what the race might look like, I'm going to ask another Ironman competitor. Uh, This summer, uh, another person did an Ironman, a half Ironman, and uh, that was Amy Kelly. And Amy, I'm going to ask that you come and share from your experience a little bit about your plan and then the execution. And so come on up and uh, and share from your heart. You can just use that if you want. And uh, thank you for being willing to share. This is going to be fun. Wow, these lights are really bright. It's funny what you said about Corbin. Corbin, you were out when Pastor was talking about you, so I'm so proud of him. And I was up here crying, or down there crying, and I said to Steve, there's nothing like seeing your kid on stage helping lead worship. It reminds me of that Mark Schultz song, Remember Me, when he says, remember me when they're old enough to teach, old enough to preach, old enough to lead. And here's my little kid up here playing the drums. It's cool. So thank you, Pastor, for asking me to talk. Um, I'm Amy Kelly, and my husband Steve and uh, four of our kids have been coming to Gateway for about three years now, and our oldest son and his wife are here today, too, and Maddie's boyfriend, too, so everybody's here. Um, Pastor and I had gone back and forth, you know, talking about running and races over the years, and we had both been talking about um, maybe doing an Ironman. Pastor wanted to do a full Ironman, and I was just going to do a half Ironman, and um, but that was a, a life goal of mine. It was on my bucket list, and I had thought about it for a long time. So in embarking on that journey, I had done a lot of research. I had read and read um, about preparation, about technique, transitions between each leg of the race, nutrition before and during the race. I watched a lot of videos and talked to experienced people. And, of course, I purchased um, an expert training plan to help me on this. And that training plan would tell me which workouts I should do every day for which leg of the race, the swim, the bike, or the run, how long they should be. Some of the weeks I had up to 10 or 12 plus hours of training, and that would equal like three to four hours a day of just training. And that plus a full-time job, four busy kids, and a household to manage that created 
a lot of stress and um, you know time pinching for me, of course, but I would ask for God's help and I would follow that plan as closely as I could. And I had to trust God as I worked that plan. And, and sometimes that was really hard because I just want to go do it, go do it my way. And I had to just back off and say, um, God, I don't have the time, the physical and emotional strength to get through all of this training plus manage the house and groceries. I, that just completely fell by the wayside. Thank you, Steve, for taking over everything. And, um, oh, and we had, I, on top of this, and I knew it when I planned it, but it was so far away that I didn't, like, worry about it too much, but Corbin was graduating, and he had all of his senior activities, and his open house was scheduled the week right before the big race. So, you know, trying to get the house and the landscaping in just perfect, pristine order because everyone's coming. Well, that didn't happen, you know? So I had to say, God, you know, let me do the things that really matter, and let me not worry about the rest. Just give me that peace. Well, God was gracious, and he gave me that peace, but he also gave my husband enormous amount of patience with me, praise God, and he was my biggest cheerleader and supporter in my training all along. He never complained even once, and I just thank him so much for that, so thank you. Okay, the goal for the whole thing was to enjoy my time, right? Because if I'm not going to enjoy the training and enjoy the race, then why bother doing it? So I told myself, if that's not going to be enjoyable anymore, then what's the point? Let's just quit. So what, but once I carved out that time and planned that training, followed the plan, um, then I enjoyed it. Multiple times during long workouts before or after a 12-hour shift at the hospital, I would think, who does this? <laughs> who gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning and put on my thermal pants to go ride on my trainer in the garage because it's too loud to be in the house? I'm watching Netflix at 4 a.m., riding on this bike going, who does this? I know there's a lot of people out there that have done way longer races than me, but I thought to myself, God, thank you for helping me do this. I get to do this, and what a privilege. Now, mind you, I'm not a born athlete. I was not in sports at all in school, and um, I didn't even start running until I was 35, and I started doing triathlons just four years ago because I liked the idea of increasing my distance, but I thought a marathon sounded too long and boring, so sure, let's throw in a couple more disciplines like uh, learning how to swim and biking. So, and then I started exercising with the weights too, and I just the whole time am truly amazed that God can take my female body that bore five children and nurse them, and in my fourth decade of life can train and do endurance and compete in an activity like this. I was just amazed the whole time. So I'd be on a long run, and sometimes I would have to just start walking because I'd be so choked up thinking, God, just thank you for this opportunity. Some people wish they could do this, and I get to do it. I was just... So thrilled that God was letting me do this. What a cool thing. So, okay, back to the plan. So two, all along your uh, training plan, they say fit in a couple races just for practice and um, to get in the revved up in being in that race environment. And so I would do, um, I did a long run, like the fifth, third run in Grand Rapids. And um, that was the longest I'd ever gone, 15 and a half miles. And um, I had a really good time really good day. It was great. Well, then the next um, one I was going to do was an Olympic distance triathlon, Bear Lake in May, up north there. And um, I thought, I'm going to use this as a training exercise. But then I got thinking in my head, you know, it's a small venue. There probably won't be that many women in my age group. Maybe I could win. <laughs> Maybe I could win my age group. So I set out, I'm going to try to win this thing. 
And uh, I woke up that morning, and my back was just killing me. I had tweaked it the night before, and I was just in a lot of pain. Plus, the night before, my girlfriend, who I love dearly, and she's one of the ones that got me into triathlons, too, she says, you know what? I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to do the Olympic distance with you. And doggone her, she's one of those natural athletes that can just go on sheer will and determination, and she'll do great, you know? So she's here by my side, and um, I'm thinking, oh, this is, uh, I don't know what this is going to be. And I know for my own self that I have to, part of my plan, I have to get in the water and warm up before the race starts because the swim is difficult for me. I need to have my arms um, warmed up. I need to have my breathing going. Well, it was kind of chilly. She didn't want to get in the water, and I was like, uh, yeah, let's just skip it. Bad, bad idea. I had a horrible swim, horrible swim. Took on a lot of water, choking, spittering, sputtering. And um, so that just sets you up in a bad way for the rest, right? And I just couldn't get out of my head. My back hurts. I just about died. This is bad. And my whole mantra, the whole rest of the run was, I just am going to tell people I almost died and this is horrible. <laughs> so I did not follow the plan very well. My girlfriend did awesome, though. Good for her. And so. I spent the next two days flat on my back, nursing, nursing that back injury, and I thought, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to c compete in a couple weeks. All this time and all this money, and everything's wasted, and I was just so downhearted. But, you know, I had time, and I was thinking, and I was praying, and the Lord, the Lord knew my heart. And I rested, went to the chiropractor, was able to go to all of Corbin's graduation festivities, and we hosted his open house um, graduation party. It had a wonderful time. I was feeling better, and the week before the race, I decided, you know what? I'm just going to go do the best I can do and have my race, and I was back on track with the plan. So the morning of the race is always sickening. Part of you is telling you, you don't have to do this. No one's making you do it, <laughs> except Steve's going, let's go. Get in the car. <laughs> Um, but more of you wants to achieve that goal that you've set out, you've been planning, striving, training for, and I was resolved to the fact that I was just going to do the best I could possibly do. Um, this was going to be the race I was meant to have. I had this much amount of training done, and that's just what it was going to be. And I prayed. I prayed and prayed. I knew it was going to be a beautiful day, and I didn't care how long it took me. It was just going to be me and God. You're not allowed to have headphones or anything like that. It was just me and God the whole way. I got in the water, and I warmed up in the water this time. I had the best swim of my life. I, you know, the plan was if I got tired, I would roll over on my back and do backstroke. Never had to do that. I was just swimming and swimming and swimming. I was like, God, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Halfway through the swim, I was like, even if the rest of the swim is a disaster, I just praise you, Lord, because this much so far has been fabulous. So um, and that set me up for a, fa a great bike. I started off good, but my, my lower back, it's just the stretch of leaning over that bike. My back gave out way before my legs. And at one point, I was so thankful that I didn't have a flat tire, but it just flashed through my mind. At least if I did have a flat tire, I'd be able to get off my bike and walk for a little bit. <laughs> but I was glad that thought went past really quick. I, no flats, praise God. Then we started the run and doing great, feeling strong. Nutrition, you know, I followed the plan to a T. My nutrition was good, feeling really strong. Just have to share this part. On the second loop of the run, so seven and a half miles to go, on the home stretch of the race, right? A lawyer from Chicago, she buddied up to me and she started chatting. And she just wanted to um, kind of finish the rest of the race with me. And I thought, well, Okay, God, this isn't really in my plan because I don't like to talk while I'm running, you know. This was just me and the Lord, and I had been 
singing hymns and over and over, like the same verses over and over and over and over, and then um, scripture over and over. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was one of a good, that was a good mantra over and over. But then this lady buddied up to me and she wanted to chit chat. I was like, okay, well maybe this will be good. The last half of the race, someone to kind of pull you through, and it was. I found out that I I had to listen more than I had to talk really, and that worked out. But at one point when she was talking, um, we were talking about our kids, and she had younger children than me. And um, they were going to be going into middle school in a couple years. And she said, what's a piece of advice that you could give to me for my kids? And I thought, wow, God, this is ironic. Because just this past week, I had been reflecting over Corbin and graduating and stuff. And what would I tell people, you know, as they're trying to raise their kids? And so I told her what I had been thinking. I said, the best thing you can do for your kids is pray for them. Immerse them in the church and youth group and stuff like that. Pray for your kids. And I think she was taken aback by that. I'm not sure she was a Christian, but we had great discussion after that, too. And, um, and we pulled each other through the race. Um, we followed our plan. We walked through the rest areas. We walked up the hills. And we um, finished that race together and all the way to the glorious finish line where my family was waiting for me. And it was just awesome. So I followed that expert's training plan to the best of my abilities, and I let go of all the things in life that I couldn't control, and I just celebrated that day in the Lord. And it was a beautiful and victorious day, and it was great, a great memory. In closing, I know Pastor Sand, your minutes are up, Amy. Okay. <laughs> I just have to say how awesome Pastor Ben is. And Pastor Ben is a, a very um, competitive and driven man, and I really respect that. And he had an excellent race. And he, no, no, no. <laughs> Pastor Ben, he finished with a very terrific time. It took him six hours and 36 minutes, and that is really good. And I finished my half iron, my half iron man distance race, which is 70.3 miles in six hours and 24 minutes. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yes, she did. She beat me. It was a different race. I did remind her that we are different, and it was I was running my own race. I, <laughs> I hope you, and thank you, Amy. Wasn't that great? Just to kind of hear the journey and the plan. It was awesome. Good job. Man, you got a gift uh, speaking in front of people. That's not easy to do, and so thank you very much. Um, what I wanted to ask her to do is to kind of focus on that plan because the plan is so critical. Uh, you, well, her friend kind of showed up to an Olympic and just kind of did it, but you can't just show up to an Ironman and just, you know, to do that. Most people cannot do that. I know I can't, um, but the same is true with our lives. Some people think, oh, I'm just going to take it as it comes, and listen, in our lives, when we can create a plan and follow that plan, things work better and things are accomplished. I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says that children do what feels good and adults devise a plan and they follow it. Ooh, that kind of hits me. 
Intentional living is what we're talking about. Living on purpose. Living with a plan. And you know what? Our finances, we need a plan. We, last uh, Monday night, we started Financial Peace University, a whole new group uh, full of tables here. Uh, I think 15 or 16 of us just uh, diving in, saying, all right, what are we going to do? It's all about creating a plan. And I want to just give a little plug. It is not too late. It's very common for people to jump in the second week um, of Financial Peace. And if you need a plan in that area, come tomorrow night. Let's do it the next eight weeks. But we need a plan in those areas. If you're going to have uh, success in school or in college, you better have a plan. How, do you, how many of you know in our marriages, we need a plan? You know, you had a plan, guys, when you were trying to get your wife to fall in love with you, right? And sometimes we're not smart enough to continue to have a plan to keep our wives, right? Keep them on, the, keep them on the, the line, I guess. And it's a plan that can kind of help us create opportunities in our marriage. Our health, how many know we need a plan? As men of God, we need a plan when we're tempted. As women of God, you need a plan. Spiritually, we need a plan. And you know what? Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was passionately in love with Jesus and a passionate follower of Christ, he talks about having a plan. He talks about running a race. And I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we see... Paul talk about the, uh, an opportunity uh, to, uh, to see his life kind of played out. Listen what it says. It says, do you not know that in an Ironman, I mean in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? And then he says, run in such a way to get the prize. We need to live intentionally. He's talking about not a race, uh, a physical race. He's talking about our lives here. And we need to run our lives with the idea that we are going to hit some goals along the way according to what God's will is for us. He says everyone competes in the games, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do not... We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Our lives, what we do on this side of eternity, is going to be carried into eternity, and it's going to make a difference. We need to live intentionally, on purpose, with a plan. And then he says this, Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. When I see that phrase there, I think of someone that shows up without a plan, that just kind of, I'm going to just take it as it comes. No, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was determined to live his life to the glory of God. He says, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like I'm beating the air, again, without purpose, without a plan, right? He says, no, verse 27, I beat my body and make it my slave. Sounds good, right? Sounds hard. So that after I've preached to others or after I've lived my life, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And of course, he's talking about eternity there. But listen, Paul understood this. The best way to tackle life's journey is to have a plan and then to execute it. And that will lead to success. And I don't care what stage of life we're in, whether we're a young person, uh, if we're a single adult, or if we're you know, married, or if we're retired, or a widow. Listen, this morning, our job is to say, God, what do you have for us? And then to, to see what God has along the way. 
Now, at the Gateway Church, we have some expectations or a plan that we want to everyone to kind of come through. If you're, if you're connecting with us, we want you to know what our mission is, and we want you to um, experience that in your life. We talk about it all the time. You can probably quote these things. I hope you can. But the first thing is we want you to connect with God, right? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. For we should love the Lord our God with all our mind, soul, strength, right? And, uh, and that's the first commandment. So we talk about Sunday morning, gathering. That's a time that we connect with God. But it goes beyond that. Our personal devotions, our worship, all these things put together is our connection with God. And listen, in our lives, that has to be the most important thing, our connection with God. But then we're not only going to st- stop there, we want to connect with each other. Matthew 22, 39, two verses later, says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's where we get that idea of connecting with each other. We need to love one another. Our connect groups certainly provide opportunity for that. But men's and women's events, like men's breakfast next Saturday, is an opportunity for you to connect with others. Our youth ministry has services and activities to all about connecting students together. We have family events throughout the year. We have all church gatherings. Uh, I, we missed them this summer. My wife and I did because of sabbatical. But those times together, when we do plan those, those are critical for us to be together. And when you show up, you are saying, essentially, I am buying in to the vision into the future, I want to be a part of what God is doing at the Gateway Church. And we want to encourage you to do these things. And then the third piece is critical as well, to connect with the world. In Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, right? Go therefore into all the world, preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? We know that. that it's, it's an everyday commission. And there's not one person here that's exempt from that. We want to connect, and we certainly want you to plug in here at the Gateway Church on a regular basis to serve. That's important. It's important for us to be thriving as, a, as an organization, but it's important for you to give back. There are outreach events, and many of you will show up for those, and we, we love that. We celebrate that. But how many know that there are even opportunities beyond what the Gateway Church can offer? There are things that you can do, and there are things that you many of you do Uh, during the week and during a a typical month to serve in our community. In all of those things, you are taking the gospel message that's burning inside of you, hopefully, to a world that is lost. And so we say connect with God, connect with each other, and connect with the world. Last spring, we added another kind of model that looks like this. It's a wheel, kind of a simple model of spiritual growth. And we, we haven't explained this in a while. I'm just going to take a second to do that. If you start in the top right-hand corner, which is over here, right? It says looking for someone or for something. That is someone that is a seeker. This is a, that quadrant represents an, an area of, of a, a person that has not received Christ. And we hope and pray that week in and week out, there are people that are looking for something that are showing up here at the Gateway Church. Once someone finds salvation, then they, we would consider you an infant disciple. And so you've connected with God, and then you're moving towards that connection with each other, that inward focus saying, all right, I need others to walk this out. If you get disconnected along the way, that is going to halt your progress. That's what that means. 
and then you move along, and it should be over here on the bottom, um, uh, on the bottom left, maturing disciple. And we have a lot of maturing disciples here, and I understand that. And we want to continue. But the way a maturing disciple gets stalled up is by becoming inward-focused. And that is dangerous. That is haunting. Uh, if you really look at your, our lives, look at your life, and say, all right, am I inward-focused? Am I more concerned about my comfort than reaching out and moving into that other area, that last area of total surrender? And we want to bring us all to that place of total surrender. And the way that happens is by becoming activated, becoming uh, motivated, and uh, having a plan. And uh, I want to encourage us. Now, we, we put this up here, and, uh, and it has these funky-looking hands. And uh, how many just think that looks creepy? And so we've, we have updated that. And uh, so let's go to the new and approved. Yes, isn't that better? And so now we're going to use that. And so you can share that with your friends now, now that that doesn't have like funky little hands. We're just laughing at ourselves. In the office, we're like, this is, this, something's wrong with us. <laughs> but anyway, Bonnie, you did a great job putting that together. No, no disrespect there. But I would encourage you to look at this model again and say, okay, where am I on my journey? What movement or what activation do I need uh, to, to move along so there is progress in growth in your life? What is it going to take for you to move from an infant disciple where you've given your heart to the Lord, but you're just growing to move to that place of mature? Or what if you're a mature disciple and maybe you've been serving God a long time and you've got a lot of knowledge, but there's something that's missing. It's that total surrender peace. What is it going to take to do that? Now, back to my Iron Man. I know uh, uh, Amy shared her story. I thought I had a plan kind of going into this. And I thought, hey, I've got an entire summer that I'm off. And so my schedule is much easier to get in those long uh, training days. Um, but what's interesting is about a month and a half out, someone offered me an opportunity to meet with a physical trainer. And really, this whole series kind of came out of this interaction with this trainer. This trainer had uh, participated in 22 at that point, and now 23 uh, iron or half Ironman. He's done six full Ironman, and then every other weekend, he's doing Olympic events. It's what he does for a living, and he trains people and brings them along. This guy is sharp, and man, is he fit, uh, I'll tell you. And, uh, but we got together, and someone gave me an hour session with him, and we talked about training. We talked about some planned long days that needed to happen in my, in my journey. We talked about nutrition and sleep. We, he walked me through the course because he's done it several times, the exact course that we were going to do. He's given me tips and suggestions. He talked about even recovery. But the thing we focused on most was the race, the three components, the, the swimming, which by far was my worst area. He talked about technique uh, of how to swim, how to breathe. Um, that was very, very beneficial for me. And then we talked about the bike and how that's my strongest point. Um, and I felt, hey, I, I'm a strong rider. Uh, but he had some tips about riding and about nutrition on the bike that you want to be self-supported so you don't have to stop. And, uh, and so you carry everything that you want to eat on that bike race or on that bike portion. And it was very, very helpful. And then he talked about the run. And he, the biggest 
biggest thing there for me was he said, you need to drink at every single aid station. Four ounces of water, four ounces of, of, of Gatorade. He says, whether you think you need it or not. And what happened for me, it strengthened my plan. I went into the Ironman, my half Ironman, and I was prepared in an incredible way far beyond what I was previous to, to meeting with this physical trainer. It's a little bit like the, the training that uh, Amy purchased and kind of walked through. There was wisdom that was transferred. I was excited about that. And then I walked away, and then over those next few weeks, I started thinking about us and about our plan and our lives. And that's really how this whole uh, idea of lessons from an Ironman kind of came about because of that interaction, which was neat. And I think about it, having someone from an outside perspective, looking at your plan, bringing accountability, bringing support, how powerful is that to have a coach or a mentor? Now, the opposite can happen where we say, ah, I'll just do it on my own. And I was kind of prepared to do that, although I had done quite a bit of reading and stuff as well. But how many know when we try to do things on our own, we're not as efficient, right? It's not the best. There's no wisdom. We make stupid mistakes. There's hardship. It's more painful. And the reasons why we do it on our own are kind of silly, but sometimes it's out of ignorance. Sometimes it's out of pride saying, huh, I know better, right? We're all alone. We're isolated. And I, church, I want you just to understand that that is not God's best. This personal trainer had experienced what I was about to experience in a month and a half out. He understood the pitfalls. He understood the things to do, what things to avoid physically, mentally, and he's walking through. Let me give you a couple examples. I thought I, my goal originally was to do a full Ironman, right? And I've talked about that uh, last week a little bit and how all that changed to a half Ironman. And I'm sitting there and I'm getting excited and I've told him kind of what I've done. And I said, hey, do you think I could just maybe change to a full Ironman? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's a whole different thing. He says, don't, he says, yes, at some point, but not this race. And so he was able to coach me through that because I was feeling pretty good. I'm thinking, hey, maybe I'll just do the full. He said, no, not this time. He also, I asked him, I said, well, at what point would you ever quit? And he says, you never quit unless they're taking you out on a stretcher. <laughs> I said, oh, yes, sir. All right, that, that's good. The other thing that he said that I remember, just a piece of advice, and this might be important for some of you at some point, he says, in a race like this, oftentimes you will get to the point of exhaustion or you'll hit a wall, and, uh, it, and, and in those moments, if you end up puking, and uh, which there, I saw some people puking on the side of the road and things like that, he says you can do one of two things. You can sit down and puke, or you can keep on going and puke while you're going. And I'm like... <laughs> Good point, I guess. And I, thankfully, I didn't have to experience that. But um, th that's because some of the insight that he kind of shared with me. And what, as I've debriefed on this and I've kind of, uh, kind of sat with this knowledge and, and really kind of the story of what happened for me, it reminds me of what Jesus did with his disciples right at the beginning of their journey. The very first message that Jesus shared was the Sermon on the Mount. 
In fact, if I could give you an assignment to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 this week, I wish I could uh, just make you do it. I can't, but I can encourage you to do that. What Jesus does through that, we can't look at it in its entirety, but he starts off saying, look, if you want to be happy, this is what you do. If you, the Beatitudes, the how to be blessed. Then he affirms who they are, and he says, you are the light of the world. It's kind of like the, the, this, this uh, personal trainer saying, look, you will be an iron man by the end of this race. And it was really powerful, kind of encouraging. And then Jesus goes along and he says, you may have heard this. And he reinterprets and he says, I tell you this. And he gives instruction. And then he gives warnings and more instruction. And by the end of the sermon, the first sermon Jesus shared, Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 24. He says this. He says, therefore, and he's talked about a lot of different things. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And you're familiar with that story. We don't want to build our house on the sand. We want to be solid as a rock, right? And we understand that. But Jesus says, he, he, listen, he says, if you put these words of mine into practice, Jesus was coaching his disciples. He was coaching, coaching the crowd in that circumstance. And he's saying, look, this is how you will be successful in your life. Now, I could have showed up to the Ironman and just disregarded everything that my personal trainer uh, shared and just walked away. But how many are glad that your pastor is, has a little knowledge and I'm a good student and I put some things in to perspective, and I was able to put that plan into place, and I had a tremendous successful event. My goal was to do it in under seven hours, and I beat it by 24 minutes. Not as good as Amy, I guess, <laughs> but, uh, but that's okay. I'm going to do another one, and I'm going to smash that time. <laughs> That's just the competitive part of me, I guess. But anyway, but I finished strong. In fact, I, on the last loop of my race, and uh, probably uh, the last few miles, uh, on three different occasions, people looked at me, and I had my hat on, I'm just jogging, and people were like, man, it looks like you're not even hardly working. And, uh, and I was just in a good place. I had a great plan. I was executing it, and I finished strong. In fact, I told Jessica, I said, I think I'm built for these longer races. Um, I enjoyed it, believe it or not. I, I endured it. And, uh, and what, I went longer than I'd ever gone before uh, during that race. And I was grateful for the experience. Now, we've got a few minutes here before we, we close up. And this is where I want to focus for us. How, why was I grateful? I was grateful because of the power of a coach or a mentor, a friend. And it's so important. you got to understand that this is kind of where I want to bring us to today. For all of our lives, the power of a coach or a friend is so important. And I've reflected on this a bit. In my life, certainly my parents were great coaches and great fans of, of mine. Uh, I had a basketball coach uh, in junior high. I'm sorry, in high school, I didn't make my freshman team. And this coach, Coach Littlejohn, he coached the junior high team. He said, hey, I want you to play with me uh, in the off season." And it was an incredible blessing to me in my life in more than just basketball. Um, I had a youth pastor growing up, Mark Urich, that was just an incredible mentor to me. 
Um, I have, I've had lots of others in my adult life. And then even this summer, I, sh- I shared that I had a sabbatical coach. And what's interesting about that is I, you look for insight and wisdom beyond what you naturally might see in coaches and in those that will kind of come alongside of you. Proverbs 27, 17, um, it's a great verse. Uh, you know it. We often share this in, in men's group. We say, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And we understand that, and it, it applies to women too, gratefully. But the idea is that we cannot afford to do this life on our own. We were not created to walk through. We need each other. We just do. And for some, I see you nodding your heads. You've known this. You've experienced this. You may have had similar rewards because of a coach or a, a mentor in your life. And, uh, and, and that's great. We want to celebrate that. Uh, there may be others here. For some, they maybe fear has kept you from living this way and you've been more isolated or you've been a little hesitant to have someone kind of walk with you through life's journeys. Or maybe you've never had the opportunity to be mentored in a positive way. And maybe you just have you know, never uh, even been aware that that even could be a possible possibility. And either way, what I want you to know this morning is that we are at our best when we walk this journey or this race, like Paul calls it, together. And if that's true, there's two things that are important for us to take away for each of us. Number one, I believe, is that we all need a coach. We all need someone, a mentor, advisor, a friend, to help us through lives. There's no one exempt here from that, to avoid pitfalls, to encourage, to bring accountability. And I'm talking physically, mentally, spiritually. And there are different seasons in our lives that we need people in different areas of expertise. I know there was a season a few years back, I was thinking about it this morning, I just kind of added in my notes. And a lot of you have heard the story of when I like, had a meltdown here is back four or five years ago. And, um, and I, I kind of uh, came to a point, Jessica's like, you need help, and I did. And I ended up going to a counselor, a, Christian, a good Christian counselor, uh, for a, a long season. And I mean, we spent thousands of dollars of our good hard-earned money to just make sure my mind was screwed on straight. And it was the best thing that we could have ever spent our money on. And it was important. And we need people like that. And so at different times, I say that because at different times, different places, we need different things. And we need to be seeking the Lord, saying, God, where do we need it? But the truth is we need a coach or we need a friend to kind of walk through this life. So I want you to just think in your own life, where could you benefit from a situation like this, to have a mentor, a coach, or a friend today in your life? Where? could you benefit? And then we want to, by the end of today, we want to kind of commit to each other to this type of living, saying, God, help us to live in this fashion. And we'll talk about how that can happen here in a minute. But if we commit to this way, we must realize that there's a second thing as well. And sometimes we forget this, that not only do we all need a coach, but we can all be a coach for someone else. We can be a mentor. We can be a friend. And I'm talking everybody here. Everyone can take someone along the journey. 
It's that whole activation piece in that model, and we'll come back to that in a minute. And I don't think, uh, Ethan, that's in the slides, but in a minute we'll go back to that second one, not the funny hands, but uh, the other one. And you say, well, you know, where could I coach someone? Well, listen, when you coach someone, how many know that a lot of it is just being a good listener? You listen, and then as the Holy Spirit gives you insight for whatever the particulars are, then you share and you say, well, what kind of areas, you know, there are a lot of, of parenting things that you've been through, some lessons you've learned that you could come alongside, kind of like Amy on her journey and, uh, and sharing some parenting advice. How many know that in those that have uh, successful marriages, you could share and, uh, and say, hey, this is what we've done wrong. This is what we've done right. We're not perfect, but hey, you could mentor someone or mentor another couple. How about finances? That's an easy one. Uh, financial Peace University is an outlet for that. But even outside of financial peace, you could bring someone along and say, hey, this is what I've learned. How about it with our diet and exercise or our devotional life? Say, hey, I'm going to just you know, bring someone along with me. Or spiritual gifts or men's issues or women's issues. For those of you that are in school, you could bring, uh, bring someone else along and say, hey, we're going to do this together. We're better together. How in sports, certainly there are opportunities uh, for this. In business, uh, to coach someone along, someone that may be a few years behind you, or in leadership, saying, hey, we're going to give it all, and I, look what I've done, and uh, not that I'm perfect, but hey, this is what I've learned along the way. And I'm, I'm looking at the potential in this room for us, including me, to bring someone along, to be a coach for someone else. And I think of the power of that, Tra taking the gospel story and taking it into some of these areas, it is a powerful opportunity for us. There's something you can give. I believe that. Your experience is valuable. Seriously, there are those in your life, in your work, in your family, here at church, who need you. I want, I want that to sink in. And there's no one exempt here. Someone needs you to kind of say, hey, come on along. Now, there's one final takeaway, and then I want to come back to that diagram for a moment. There's a, there's a truth when it comes to mentors or coaches that I've learned a, a year, few years ago, and I don't think this is in the notes here, but you could write it down, that the student must pursue the master. You can't expect your teacher, if you're in a class, to single you out and to say, hey, I'm going to really invest in, in you. But if you need it and you're saying, hey, I could use extra help, how many know it's a student's job to pursue the teacher and to say, hey, what else can I do? And the same is true. If you're at, at work and your boss could be a great mentor, and uh, you, you can't expect your boss just to say, hey, I'm going to pick you out and and take you if, especially if it's a larger staff or something but listen you can go and you can learn even without them knowing that they're teaching there are ways to do that and we just need to be committed to that type of lit of living to look for someone and you must also be open on the flip side for someone to be pursuing you and to create some time around that because when you do that and you help someone along in their journey to create a plan it is a fun way to live, to see someone succeed, to push them forward. It's awesome. So this morning, I want to kind of come back to that, that uh, 
that diagram. Let's go ahead and put that back up there. Where we become activated. And what I want us to see here, it's kind of one for one. Uh, that, that activation, the idea there is that when you come to the place of total surrender, and that's where we want to uh, end today and saying, I want to be committed to that, saying, God, you can have it all. You can take every part of my life. What happens when we get to that point, then we reach back to bring a maturing disciple to the place of total surrender, okay? And we also reach forward to reach one more. That's the beauty of this cycle. That's the beauty of saying, okay, I've got a plan here. Identify where I am and say, God, help me to move along. Help me to grow into the place of total surrender. And then when you're there, what our responsibility is, is to reach back and to bring someone along. That's the coaching, but also to reach one more, saying, God, help me to, that my life would make the difference in someone else's life for eternity. And that's where I want to kind of close first is this idea that we can reach one more. And even this morning, you may be here and you may not know the Lord. I don't know everyone here. And so this morning, I just want to cast a net and understand that the Bible says that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That means that if we were to die today and we did not have our sins forgiven by Jesus, we would spend an eternity away from him in hell is what the Bible describes. But the gift of God is eternal life. We, if we surrender to Jesus, if we give our hearts to the Lord, God can do incredible things. He can save us. He can set us on a new path and a new plan. And God wants to do that. And if you're here this morning and you need salvation, I'm just going to ask you, just in a bold uh, stance here, kind of face my fears of, uh, say, if you're here, would you just raise your hand and say, yep, that's me. And again, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I, if, you, if you would uh, just raise your hand saying, yep, I need the Lord this morning. I need Jesus to save me. Is there anyone that's in that circumstance this morning? Just give you a moment. All right. I don't see any hands for service here. So it starts there with reaching one more. But then I want to come back to this one-on-one -on -one for life, this idea that we could seek one person out to help us, and then we could also seek, or someone could be seeking us that we could mentor. And I want you to know that we are committed as a staff to make that happen. We would love to come alongside you, but again, we need you to initiate that and saying, hey, I could use a coach or I'm willing to coach. And if you're willing to do that, make that interaction, we will work hard and, and tirelessly to make those connections because we know how important it is. And so we would love to hear from you in that way. You can use the communication card. You can send us an email or get on Facebook and, and uh, bomb uh, Pastor Bobby's Facebook because he checks it all the time. And uh, that would be good. <laughs> Don't send me a Facebook message. It'll be months before I see it. <laughs> I may never see it, but for that matter. But listen, but I want us to get this picture of what it looks like to be fully surrendered. And uh, during my sabbatical, there was a song, I shared it a couple weeks ago, um, that it was just super meaningful. And it's just a song that has some simple words that says, you can have it all, Lord. And some of you that were here uh, on the Pizza with the Pastor night, you were able to experience that. And I would like to kind of bring us to this place of where are we on this journey 
um, on this, this idea. Are we in the place of total surrender? And because when we're at a place of total surrender, I believe we are prime, uh, primed to be able to be used by God in our lives. And I know your hearts, I know many of your hearts, um, that you are, you are interested in being as effective in your life as possible. You want to make a difference, but it comes at a place where we're total surrendered. And with that, I'm going to just encourage you to enjoy this little illustration and this song that has been very meaningful to me, and then we'll close and finish this morning. This is Have It All by Bethel. Now, I want to just encourage us this morning. If you're here today and you're saying, boy, you could just let that run, guys. Don't. And say, I could use a coach in my life at this season in a certain area. I just want you just to raise your hand right where you are. Just acknowledge, boy, I could have, I could benefit from someone walking with me in my life. All right, there's lots of hands. You can put them down. If you're here this morning, you say, boy, I realize that I could probably be a blessing to someone. If you could acknowledge that as well. Who here this morning? Yeah. The way that happens is by being totally surrendered. Saying, God, you can have it all. Let's sing it. You can have it all, Lord. Just let that be your prayer. Every part of my world. Last time. Take this up and breathe on this heart that is found on. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And just the story there with the heart. And that's what God wants. He wants a surrendered heart that's activated to reach one more and to bring someone along the journey. And we all have something to give. And it comes back to this idea that we need a plan. And to be able to accomplish the plan, we need someone to come alongside of us. And I want to just commission us to one of two things. Either one is to be seeking, and maybe it's both, but to be seeking out people in our lives that we could follow and learn from, but also to be looking for those that need an encouraging a hand or a friend to walk with them. And could we be open to that and let the power of Jesus inside of us make the difference in their plan and in their journey? Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, I just pray that you would just commission us to go. Lord, that we would just experience your power and your presence. Lord, that we would understand uh, who you are uh, in our lives. And God, that we cannot do this on our own but Lord, that we need a plan and we need others in our lives. God, I pray that you just strengthen us and for those especially that acknowledge that today they need that in their lives, I pray that they would seek that out. They wouldn't wait for someone to come, but Lord, that they would look for the next person in the area of their lives where they need the most help today. And God, that you would just strengthen them, give them uh, what they need. And Lord, I pray that our church would exhibit this idea of growth, bringing us all to the point of total surrender. And Lord, when we get to that place, activate us to reach one more and activate us to bring someone along. And we do these things all for your glory, for your honor, Jesus. 
And it's in your name I pray these things. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 God bless you. Turn and greet one another as you leave. Thank you for being here. We love you very much. Go in the grace of God. Amen.